This is Tani Talks Radio, the shear where we talk about the part, part, the, talk about the topic for the week, the shear for the week with some practical lessons for the audience to keep here in the same time, same place every week. God willing, Emir Tzashemli Nedarim. We've talked many different topics throughout the seasons. We're currently in season two of Tani Talks Radio where we talk about the shear of the week for the audience members to keep. We try to do it in about a 45 minute or so session, a 45 minute or so developed sheer idea where we try to bring in stories sessions and and sources and the like we also have different shiram different podcasts who are on hiatus god willing will come back after summer the pirkelvis one and the ot one we also have the daf one which is about a minute on the daf some interesting word or phrase or section that jumps out at me the partial one is 10 minutes for the the week of the partial of the week and of course we have tani talks radio here we have many different different topics throughout the years and feel free to listen to the sheer enjoyment radio app aside from the usual time in order to hear different topics but of course live same time same place so let's talk a little bit about have a little patience and thank you for having patience until we began the question is do we have patience do people have patience are we missing patience in this life hold your horses what's your rush do you have a train to catch where are you running give me a minute wait just a moment be a little patient patience my friend don't get your scarf up in a knot don't test my patience shnia savlanut rock rega these are all phrases i'm sure we've heard used or use ourselves every single day the famous phrase goes patience is a virtue patience is a wonderful quality to have and keep within us every day there are so many things in life that require patience so many aspects of life require waiting how many years did it take for someone to find their wife how long did it take for someone to finish school how many years did it take to finish a patent a book a project a paper how many years did it take until this or that happened and we should always look at only good things if we had patience for that why don't we have patience for other smaller things in life so many small elements besides for larger ones in life lack patience we cannot Wait in line. We cannot stand traffic. Waiting on the phone makes us furious. People tend to lose patience and it tends to spiral quickly out of control into anger and then at times for some people into physical manifestations. They'll kick their desk. They'll throw a book. There even can be seen side effects as well when not dealing properly with using patience. Things such as displacement, taking out anger on someone or something else, not really the cause of your anger. We learned this in psychology in undergrad, like kicking the dog because the boss yelled at you at work or projection you say someone else is angry at you when really you are angry at them these are also common defense mechanisms seen related to impatience and anger do you know road rage is a real thing it is defined as wikipedia by wikipedia as aggressive or angry behavior exhibited by motorists these behaviors include rude and verbal insults physical threats or dangerous driving methods targeted toward another driver or non-driver such as pedestrians or cyclists in an effort to intimidate or release frustration these things are all real and are common ones, unfortunately, that can spiral out of control when we don't check the anger or check the impatience at the door. Patient, 
the definition of the word patient is defined as bearing or enduring pain, difficulty, provocation, or annoyance with calmness or exhibiting calm to these triggers, tolerant understanding. Wikipedia defines patience, the word patience itself, as the ability to endure difficult circumstances such as perseverance in the face of delay, tolerance of provocation without responding in annoyance or anger or forbearance when under strain, especially when faced with long-term difficulties. Patience is the level of endurance one can have before negativity. The dictionary further defines patience as the quality of being patient or the bearing of provocation, annoyance, misfortune, or pain without complaint, loss of temper, irritation, or the like, as well as an inability or willingness to suppress restlessness, ability or willingness to suppress restlessness or annoyance when confronted with delay to have patience with a slow learner and quiet, steady perseverance, even tempered care and diligence. The dictionary defines complacent as satisfied with the current situation and unconcerned with changing it, often to the point of smugness, or eager to please, com- complain civil, kindly, and giving pleasure. However, impatience, on the other hand, you would think is just the opposite, but it's seen by the dictionary as a lack of patience, an eager desire for relief or change, restlessness, and an intolerance of anything that thwarts, delays, or hinders. Someone who is impatient would then personify these traits, further explaining the opposite of patience. The dictionary explains that it is restlessness, eagerness for relief or change, and can be seen as touchiness or quickness of temper. Patience is thus a wonderful and crucial trait to work on and something that many of us, myself included, need to constantly try to work on every day, especially in difficult day-to-day life decisions. I once heard in a shir, I forget who said it, maybe Rabbi Rosner, maybe someone else, that so many sins in history and an abundance of transgressions in general were due to a lack of patience. Did you know Adam and Chava eating from the tree of knowledge was considered one because some say, as we'll see in a second, it would have been permitted Committed to them had they just waited. Shaul giving a carbon even though he was supposed to wait for Shmuel, the Jews not waiting long enough and doing the golden calf, as Moshe, they miscalculated by just a half a day or so, are just a few examples of a lack of patience and timing. The Orachayim points out in Vayikra, look at this, Lo sochu al hadam, you shall not eat with the blood, Baratius Rabbah points out, that the reason that this commandment, this mitzvah, appears next to the prohibition of Orla is an allusion to Adam, Adam and Chava, Adam who had eaten from the tree of knowledge before its period of being Orla had expired. The other trees had been expressly permitted by Hashem, by God, so that the prohibition was overridden. According to the Medrash, all Adam had to do, all Adam had to do was to wait until the advent of the Sabbath, wait until Shabbos came. He would have been permitted to recite the benediction, to recite the blessing over wine, according to the view that the fruit of the tree of knowledge were grapes. This is what it was talking about, that Adam Adam was too impatient. That's why it talks about for Allah, some Allah, so do not eat with the blood, do not eat of the fruit of the tree, because all bloodshed in the world originated when Adam ate from that tree prematurely. Had it not been for that failure to wait at that time, there never would have been such a prohibition as the one described in the paragraph. Neither plants nor animals would have become restricted to man at all, either temporarily or permanently. Flames of faith further explain Shalhevet Shalamuna. Adam Adam was impatient and he ate from it on Friday afternoon when it was prohibited. Instead of exercising patience, 
and using it that evening for Shabbos. The nation lost patience. They despaired and constructed a golden calf in Egel Hazav. Instead of rectifying Adam's sin, we repeated it. Judaism seeks to lead us to correct Adam's failing. That is why patience is so important in our tradition. We wait patiently for the coming of a better age. We wait patiently for the coming of Mashiach. Even though this wait has lasted millennia, for we will correct Adam's sin. It says, Ani ma'amim Bevias HaMashiach, right? I believe with a complete belief, and we should be zochah that all of us have a complete belief, have a complete emunah, and betachem that he will come. Ani ma'amim be'emunah sholemash, bevias HaMashiach, ve'afal pishe yismameya. Even though he may delay, even though it may take time, I will be patient. Im even so I will wait for him, I yearn for him, b'chol yom she'yavah, with each day, he will come. We should take that anima and take it to heart, take it to life and say, if we could say such a statement and we should live such a statement that we wait every day eagerly for Mashiach to come, for the base of Migdash to come, for there to be peace and tranquility in the whole world, how much more so on a smaller level can we take that and say, I can be patient for this. I can be patient for that. We have to wait every two weeks for most of us for a paycheck. We have to wait every four weeks for a paycheck. Why can't we have a little patience when we're in line? Why can't we have a little more patience when we're on the phone line? Why can't we have a little more patience when we're waiting for this or waiting for that? Waiting for this or waiting for that? If we can say, Then on a tiny level, we should do it in our own life. In whatever we do for work, and whatever circumstances we have in life, patience really will come through for us. If we work with kids, have little kids at home, or even if our kids are older, we know how far patience can push us. If we're working as a teacher or a therapist or a doctor or a lawyer or a banker, we all just really need patience. On the road driving or traveling at work or walking, patience is always being tested and is always strained in our lives, but it is still vital to be worked on and to try to get better at even if we fall many times. That's why we know a phrase to live by. Shlomo tells us, Shlomo HaMelech, the great wisest of all men, tells us either Mishle or Kohelas, Sheva Yipal Tzadik Vakam. Yes, even though I might not have patience today, even though I might not have patience yesterday, every day is a new day to try. Every day is a new ability to continue and to try to be better and to try to continue and to try our best to have that patience. When we lose our patience, which happens too often for myself and many of us, and we give in to anger or annoyance or meanness, we lose a little bit of ourselves, and then the beast within will come out to devour and consume us. Impatience can be seen as a feeling of a hungry predator, a lion, lying in the wait inside themselves, inside yourself, waiting to come out and explode in fury or patience or in or impatience or anger. It's easy to give in. It's easy to let the fuse be blown. It's much harder to watch yourself, to be patient, to not lose your cool, to not lose your fuse, and not to let the feeling permeate the chest. Torah.org explains through the writing of Rabbi Pinchas Winston, Patience is definitely a virtue, perhaps the most important one of all. It is amazing how far a little patience or impatience can go to change a moment a life, lives, or even history. Usually, people are impatient when the moment calls for patience. But sometimes people can be too patient when the moment calls for a little impatience in order to put an early end to what eventually may become a disaster.
deaths or situation. We know we just had the Parsha Pinchas here in summer 2023, just a week or two ago, and Pinchas rushed with alacrity and zeal to take care of the situation. Let me have a little patience. Let me see what the judgment is. Nobody was remembering the judgment on purpose. It was blocked from Moshe. The sages point out so that Pinchas can rightfully take his stand and take his kahuna by himself so that he could rectify the situation. Patience there was not a good thing. Impatience there was a good thing, standing up to the situation. The Talmud teaches us, albeit in a somewhat poetic way, anyone who tries to push off the moment will be pushed off by the moment. Anyone who is pushed off because of the moment, the moment will be pushed off for him. From Brachos 64a, on an everyday level, this means don't try to bring about desired results prematurely. Additionally, the phrase comes to mind that many are the plans in a man's heart, but it is God's plan that prevails. Otherwise, That's from Mishlei, otherwise known in nowadays era, Man plans and God laughs. It's all in Hashem's hands. Obviously, Hashem is in control of everything. You know, we hope the day we, the way we want to go, Hashem will lead us. Hopefully, the right path. But really, it's all up to Hashem. The briskarov once officiated at a wedding during which the ring fell into the grass as it was about to be slipped onto the bride's finger, completing the marriage ceremony. As a result, the long-awaited marriage was delayed another twenty minutes since it was not easy to find a tiny ring in tall grass at night using torches for light. That's like four levels of removement to try to find this tiny ring. Tall grass at night, it was tiny, and it was torches for light. They didn't have, you know, overhead lights back then. Eventually, to everyone's relief, the ring was found. However, the briskorov had sensed the embarrassment of the wedding party, and knowing his crowd that the interruption probably had many in attendance second-guessing the worthiness of the match of the chasana of the groom and the kal of the bride. For we like to believe that such matches are made in heaven and assume that if they are, heaven will make sure that everything runs smoothly and on time, even though life often teaches just the opposite. Have you ever heard of a perfect wedding? People say it was perfect. The groom and the and the bride might say it is, but for everyone else involved, they know it wasn't perfect. The the photographer came 20 minutes late. The flowers came 45 minutes late. That side didn't make it on time. That side didn't make it on time. The second cousin who was supposed to babysit for the kid didn't show up. The kid was running around and rolling the whole table. It's never actually perfect, but you have to look at it with your eyes if it was perfect in your eyes. Of course, there's always going to be problems. There's always going to be this. I wish this was better. I didn't like my dress. I didn't like my, my tuxedo. I didn't like this color scheme. I didn't like that color scheme. They were too loud. They were too quiet. This person ruined that. This person didn't show up. You could always look at it in a certain way. And we always assume that heaven will make sure everything runs smoothly, but it doesn't always run smoothly. In fact, most of the times, it doesn't. I remember... One of my best friend's wedding, I was his guard, his shomer in Hebrew, and I was supposed to make sure that everything was, lo and behold, on task and on the moment. And it gets like within the hour to the marriage ceremony, and the the, the groom, the chassan in Hebrew, turns to me and says, and, and his face pales, and he turns to me and says, oh my gosh, I forgot my frock. Now a frock, for those of you who don't know, is a special type of a coat that goes over the suit jacket. Many people wear it in different sects of society, different areas of Judaism. Some people wear a hat, some people don't. Some people wear this overcoat and some people don't. But in his sect, it was uber, uber important. Like you almost can't walk down the aisle without it. And I looked to him and I say, what time is it? 
and it's 5 o'clock, and he's going to walk down at 6 o'clock, and I know that his apartment is 30 minutes away, 30 minutes there, 30 minutes back. I say, have no fear, your Shoma is here. Don't worry, I will go get it, I will go take care of it. I myself took my car, and I raced through the Brooklyn streets, and we made it with just enough time for him to walk down the aisle. I could have brought the frock. I should have brought the frock. He should have brought the frock. He has too much on his mind to think about the frock. But in the end, you think it runs smoothly. Always something needs to be done last minute. But Baruch Hashem, we got it in time. And it was running smoothly on time. Even though life teaches us that really things don't run smoothly and don't run on time. So in this story, the Briskorov sees that the whole crowd is amiss. The whole crowd is a little nervous, a little at unease because the ring was missing for 20 minutes you can imagine the embarrassment of the families how they had everything corded off they had the string quartet a 42 piece band 42 piece of a of a cello and a flute and a this and a that and the supreme embarrassment that everyone's just sitting there waiting and everyone's looking under their own seat you can imagine so the briskorov explains to the whole crowd when deciding at which time to get married he explains, an hour is chosen for when the chuppah, when the marriage ceremony is to take place under the canopy. And that is printed on the invitation for all the guests to know. The caterer is alerted so that he can make sure that the food is ready on time, which oftentimes, by the way, behind the scenes, I'm sure it's not. All the events of the evening revolve around that sacred time, but the photographer forgot to come at the right time. But the flowers forgot to come at the right time. In the end, the most important is the bride and the groom when they get married. That's the most crux thing we get to we think about the the side things and the side things and the side things his tuxedo bow tie of the third cousin's kid once removed is half askew the whole wedding is going to be messed up because of that bow tie think about the bride and the groom but really think about who's really involved but as a side point that's a side point. So the caterer is alerted so that he can make sure the food is on time. The evening events all revolve around that sacred time and the plans proceed based upon it. However, the brisker continued, in heaven the new couple is not destined to be married until precisely 12 or 20 minutes later. Whose schedule prevails? Who do you think schedule is going to prevail? God's, heaven's of course. And all of a sudden, though everyone involved is doing their best to make the wedding run on schedule, heaven does its part to make the ring lost, to delay the completion of the ceremony until just the right moment. We have to have patience. We have to understand that it's God's plan that it was supposed to be 542, not 522. Heaven's arrangement wants it to be that the agreement for this couple to be married is now. We have found the ring signifying heaven's agreement that this couple can now be married. Even though the Rav's words, the Brisker Rav's words might have been embellished somewhat, it's the gist of what he said at the moment. They apply not only to delayed wedding ceremonies, but to all of life as well. We can try to bring about desired results by certain times, but the bottom line is that all of history dances to God's music, not ours, whether we like it or not, whether we believe it or not. Just like the art of a good joke, Lahavdil, is the timing that said can be said of a good life as well. It's about the timing, it's about the patience, it's about having a little bit of weight, a little bit of weight, a little bit of weight. Lahavdil, how excited is a kid for Harry Potter? Lahavdil, I remember when my wife was a kid and I was a kid and when my brother was a kid, how excited were we, Lahavdil, to wait for Harry Potter? But it was going to come out on July 31st when his birthday was, right? But it was only March 31st. How could I wait so many months? March to April to May to June. I can't wait four months till Harry's birthday for the book to come out. But if it's something that you really want to wait for, you're going to wait for it. It took 
25 years till I met my wife. It took 20, 21 years for my wife to meet me. And some people on Lowell Lane, it takes many, many years. But for something important, Lahavdil or not, we wait a long time for it. And for a kid, it's something much more on a minutia level. They want to wait for that book for four months. They really want that CD from Eli Schwabel. It's going to take six more months till it come out. I'm going to wait for it. It's okay. A lot of time, things are in timing. And if we could see that it's, the kid can learn to wait for things. You know, when I, when I do my kids' nails or I do their hair, I always have them have a positive reinforcement. But, ah, but when's it going to come? I have to wait till Tuesday? But it's only Sunday. Tuesday? Wednesday? Thursday? You would think they have to wait 45 weeks for it to come. Four to five days it used to be. Now it's two days prime. Two days? How am I going to wait two days? But somehow they learn to wait for it. Ah, did it come today? No. Okay, tomorrow. Did it come today? No. Ah, tomorrow? Yes. Now it came. Sometimes we have to wait. And patience, we look at kids, they have to wait how many months to get to the next grade and then the next grade and the next grade. But next year I could be in Kita Bed. I could be in Kita Gimel. I could be in Bunk Bed, Bunk Gimel, Bunk Dalit every year. A little bit. We wait a little bit, a little bit, a little bit. The idea of life, one of the virtues of life is learning the idea of patience. You know, unless you're in Mitzrayim and you get out of 65 kids at one time, sometimes it takes a while. Sometimes it takes a while. We should never know from such things. Everybody should be zocha to good things, wonderful things right away. But everything takes time. Everything takes patience. You don't get born being bar mitzvah. You have to wait 13 years. You don't get born being bat mitzvah either. You have to cultivate those 12 years, those 13 years, until we get to that time. Everything is involved with patience. It's truly a nida, truly a wonderful trait to work on. In fact, we can learn from the great sage Hillel, who is actually a huge role model of mine, crazy stories about him in the Talmud. In Pirkei Avos, my favorite sefer, we see him a lot as well, because Hillel was a paradigm of patience. Listen to this. Shabbos 31a. The sages taught in a brisa, a person should always be patient like Hillel, and not impatient like Shammai. We know the man, the very very famous story that the gear, the convert comes to Shammai in Shabbos also, right around that area. And Shammai is asked by the, the convert to be, can you convert me, provided that I'm on one foot? And Shammai like, takes out a, a ruler's cubit to try to smack him over the head, and he runs away and goes to Hillel. Hillel doesn't have the ruler cubit, which is a whole other conversation about education, not for now. And he says, can you convert me on one foot? And Hillel says, no problem. The whole crux of the Torah is, you have to the Whatever you wouldn't do to someone else, don't, don't do what you wouldn't want to do someone else and be treated the way you want to treat others is the golden rule. Another important lesson from Hillel, but here, this is not that story. This is a different story. A person should always be patient like Hillel and not impatient like Shammai. The Gemara relates, there was an incident involving two people who wagered with each other. That shows you the, the fame that Hillel had. They're going to take a major wager over Hillel himself. How peaceful, how patient is Hillel? I bet you... 400 Zeus that I can aggravate Hillel. Listen to this. Two people wage with each other and they say, anyone who will go and aggravate Hillel to the point that he reprimands him, such self-control, he doesn't even reprimand people. Anyone that could go and aggravate Hillel to the point that he will reprimand him will take 400 Zeus. That's a very lofty sum. You can imagine nowadays a thousand, two thousand, three thousand dollars. One of them said, I will aggravate him. That day, he chose to bother Hillel was none other than Friday, which of course, even back in the Gemara, was a very busy day. You know, they didn't have running water, they didn't have electricity. 
They had plumbing, they didn't have hot water, they had to heat it up. It's the Shabbos Eve, don't bother Hillel. But Hillel is washing his hair on his head. He went and passed the entrance to Hillel's house when Hillel's getting ready for Shabbos, and in a demeaning manner he says, Who here is Hillel? Who here is Hillel? Insult number one. Hillel wraps himself in a dignified garment, goes out to greet the guy, and he says to him, My son, what do you seek? No response to the major... Major affront to his dignity. My son, what do you seek? It kind of reminds us of the example we talked about the other week when Shimi ben Gera is literally insulting David HaMalch, the great King David, the whole way until he gets to whatever place he's going to, cursing at him, spitting at him. Imagine the fortitude of patience that David doesn't do anything to him either. Lahavda, lahavda. So here, Hillel, who I believe might have been from the family of Yehuda, might have been from the royalty, which descended from David anyway. He says, my son, what do you seek? He said to him, I have a question to ask. You can imagine the type of question he had in mind. Hillel said to him, ask, my son, ask, all the while treating him with major respect, by the way. The man asked him, why are the heads of Babylonians oval? Such an important question to ask right before Shabbos, right? He was alluding to and attempting to insult Hillel, who himself was Babylonian. He said to my son, you have asked a significant question. The reason is because they do not have clever midwives. They do not know how to shape the child's head at birth. Hillel doesn't get angry. Hillel doesn't get upset. He patiently answers the question. They went and waited an hour and asked again. Where is Hillel? Where is Hillel? Who here is Hillel? Hillel comes out again. Totally interrupting his Shabbos preparations. My son, what do you seek? He says, I have a question to ask. Ask, my son, ask. And then he asks, why are the eyes of the residents of Tadmor bleary? Hillel says to my son, you ask a significant question. The reason is because they live among the sands, and the sands get into their eyes. The man goes out again. An hour later, where is Hillel? It must be literally an hour or two before Shabbos, totally bothering the great sage. He asks another question. Why do these people who live in South uh, in Africa have wide feet? You ask a great question. They live in the marshlands. Their feet widen. Then he goes, he goes... And he literally asks question after question to Hillel. And then he literally says to him, all these questions that you have to ask, the man got angry at Hillel. Are you the Hillel who they called the Nasi of Israel? He says, yes. He says, if it is you, then may there not be many like you in Hillel. And Hillel says, why do you say that about me? The man says to him, because I lost 400 Zeus because of you. Hillel says to him, be vigilant of your spirit and avoid situations of this sort. Hillel is worthy of having you lose 400 Zeus and another 400 Zeus on his account and Hillel will not get upset. Hillel has the great fortitude to stay patient question after question on Arab Shabbos, no less, an hour closer, an hour closer, an hour closer to Shabbos, all the while keeping the guy's respect and dignity, even though the guy obviously ends up losing the 400 Zuz, making sure he doesn't get upset. Of course, right after that, the Gemara goes into the incident we mentioned about the Gentile who comes to Shammai, and then Hillel, and Hillel says, no problem, I'll take care of it. You know to know to be involved the entire Torah that which is hateful to you, do not do to another person. That is the entire Torah, and the rest is its interpretation. Go and study. So Hillel really shows to us the different extent of patience, how far patience can and should go. Hillel can be seen as a paradigm of patience on Mabel one level. That's why his opinion was accepted more than the, in the Talmud. Beside for the main reason they talk about respecting and stating his opponent's opinion of Shammai first as explained also in the Talmud, but this is a paradigm of patience. 
There's also another famous story about the value of patience and how controlling anger can save us literally from destroying a family, especially in regard to anger brought down. And Rav, Rav Avram Chaim Foramins in his letter for the ages, the, the Rambam's letter, Igeris Ramban, chapter day three, explanation of the Igeris Ramban from the Sefer Hasidim 655. This is a very crazy story. Listen to this. One day, once there was a son who was extraordinarily respectful to his father. On his deathbed, the father said, My son, you honored me in my lifetime, and now you must honor me after my death. I command you, if you should ever become overcome by anger, hold your anger in overnight. Please, hold it in overnight. After his father's death, the son was forced to embark on a prolonged journey. I believe this is the Odyssey and Iliad, Lahabda, Lahabda, they got it from this story, because everything comes originally from Judaism. So after the father's death, the son was forced to embark on a prolonged journey for 10 years, exactly 10 years, which took him to distant lands for 10 years or tens of years, I think it's 10. Unbeknownst to him, the wife he left behind was expecting his child. After his years of absence, let's say maybe 20 years, two tens, the husband returned home unannounced, hoping to joyously surprise his wife. He's gone for 20 years. You think she's still married to him? You think back in those days, they would have thought that maybe he gave a get before he left. Maybe she would have been married to someone else. How can he expect 20 years later, she's waiting for him? Whatever. In this story, she is waiting for him, but whatever. The husband returns home unannounced, hoping to joyously surprise his wife. As he approached his house, as he approaches the room in his house, he sees through the window his wife, how did he recognize her? It's 20 years later. I don't know. I guess she looked the same. Embracing a handsome young man, a stranger. The husband became fiercely jealous, reached for his dagger. When he suddenly remembered the pledge he made his father, he must hold his rage in overnight. The next day he was shocked to discover that the young man in his wife's embrace was none other than his own son the child that his wife had born during his long absence. The man was thus saved from tragically slaughtering his own family, God forbid. Having the patience to hold in anger or to wait things out can really be life-saving, life-changing for you and for others. If we work on ourselves, we can really acquire this wonderful meter to have on some level as well. The degree of patience is invaluable. We should use it for ourselves, for our spouses, for our kids, for our students, and for everyone around us. In fact, the Talmud teaches us a very famous story also of a student of a sage who had much, much difficulty learning. You think you hear about stories about people that have difficulties and special needs. Listen to this. Erevin 54b. Having discussed the importance of reviewing one's Torah study, the Gemara relates that Rabbi Preda had a certain student whom he would have to teach the same material 400 times. And I know that the Gemara embellishes, but in this case, I kind of think it actually is true, 400 times. And only then would the student learn the material as he was incapable of understanding it otherwise. For any teacher, any parent, or any educator out there, can you imagine having to teach the student 400 times? She never knows such things. Crazy. One day... They requested Rabbi Preda's presence for a mitzvah matter after the lesson. Rabbi Preda taught his student 400 times as usual, but this time the student did not successfully learn the material. So Rabbi Preda t- says to him, what is different now that you're unable to grasp the lesson? He said to him, from the time that they said to the master that there is a mitzvah matter for which he is needed, 
my mind was distracted from the lesson and every moment I said, now the master will get up, now the master will get up to go and perform the mitzvah and he will not complete the lesson. The entire time he was anxious that the master would get up and leave and not teach it to him, so the entire time he wasn't focusing to learn to begin with. Rabbi Preda said to him, pay attention this time and I will teach it to you and know that I will not leave for the mitzvah matter until you have fully mastered the lesson. What an epic lesson in education from Rabbi Preda. He taught him again an additional 400 times. Unbelievable. What an unbelievable lesson and inspiration for us to work on our own patience, especially when dealing with and teaching with and interacting with others. So we see how great this trait is and how far we should go to try to acquire it. Think about the King David. We talked about this a minute ago, a little while ago, who was cursed in public by Shimi ben Geram. He bore the brunt of it, having patience to take it in stride and let the evil act be paid back much later on when he commands his son Solomon to take over and to take the revenge at the right time in a certain specific manner. This comes from Shmuel Bet, Perak Tetzayim. King David is approaching Bahurim, and a member of Shaul's clan, Shimi ben comes out from hurling insults as he came. He threw stones at David. King David, the great David Amalek, he throws stones at him. Can you imagine? Not only insults, words, but also sticks and stones, because they can't break his bones, along with the words, which can break him as well. All of David's courtiers, well, all the troops and all the warriors at his right and left, he's literally shouting insults. Get out, you criminal. The Lord is paying you back. Really terrible things. You're in trouble because you're a criminal. And then Avishai, one of his loyal commanders, says, why are you letting this happen? Let me go over. I'll cut his head. This is Lord Benachis. He's deserving of death. The king says, what does this have to do with you? He is abusing me because Hashem told him to. And he said, if this is what it is, let him go, let him do it, Hashem says to do this, and hopefully Hashem will take care of it one day. David has men go on the way while Shimi is literally walking alongside the entire way, insulting him the whole way, throwing stones at him, flinging dirt at him the entire way. Can you imagine the utter embarrassment of this situation, this debacle, that he doesn't allow for anything to happen? Only in Kings 1-1, only in Malachim Aleph Aleph does David allow the punishment to finally come by after years of patiently waiting. And this might actually be in Malachim Alf, excuse me, Malachim Alf Perak Bet, this is my Parsha Haftorah, one of my favorite Haftorahs of all time, because it's from my favorite Parsha of all time, Vayechi, and this is the Haftorah, it's talking about David's last will and testament, very curious what he talks about, you know, he obviously tells Shlomo to follow in the ways of Hashem, to follow in the ways of the Torah and Judaism, but he tells him to take care of two people, which is very interesting, because you wouldn't think that he'd put a death penalty on two people on his last will, but... Our school explains it much better than me that you have to let people get justice at a time when justice has to be done with the right strongness of the monarchy. Shlomo is told by David, you must also deal with Shimi, son of Gera, the Benjaminite from Bahorim. He insulted me outrageously when I was on my way to Mahanaim, but it came down to meet me at the Jordan. I swore to him by the Lord, I will not put you to death by the sword. I think Shimi came later to David to ask for forgiveness and not to kill him for doing what he did once David's position was re-secured re- again because Avshalom was trying to throw him off. His own son was trying to be more, Malchus trying to take over the kingship. So do not let him go unpunished for you are a wise man. You'll know how to deal with him and send his gray hair down to Shaol in blood. 
The king summons Shimei and says to him, build yourself a house in Jerusalem. This is the wisdom of Shlomo. And stay there. Do not ever go out from there anywhere else. Basically house arrest. On the very day that you go out and cross the Wadi Kidron, you can be sure that you will die. Your blood shall be on your own head. Shimei listened for two years, but after that, when when his slaves ran away from his house, he chased after them. Shlomo had him executed. That's the end of the story as a footnote. But the great King David literally is wildly insulted, outrageously embarrassed, outrageously insulted with literal words and literal sticks and stones and dirt being thrown by Shimmy, complete and utter humiliation and devastation, but he still says, I will not take any revenge, I will not take any punishment for years to come. How old is Shlomo at the time? Maybe a kid. Then Shlomo takes over years later when he's 12, and then, only then, does he allow for there to be a comeback. We need to look only in our own history, the Tanakh and the Talmud, and even those around us in recent history and current times, to see those who lived and breathed patience, and those who currently live and breathe patience, and those who have an an exude amazing patience to know it is something that can be acquired. It may take a lot of work and a lot of time, but if we try a little bit every day, we may indeed start getting better at it, at having patience. We know that the sources tell us all over the place about how good patience is. The definition from Jastro of patience is to the idea of being patient in giving an opinion and listening to an opinion, not angrily insisting on words Kohalas explains how patience is better than pride. Mishle explains from Proverbs, patience results in much understanding. Impatience gets folly as its portion. Mishle also takes about, teaches about how patience under pressure produces strife. But nothing, the War of the Jews points out, nothing so much damps the force of strokes as bearing them with patience because it's really a wonderful quality to have. It's better than money and it's a golden quality in life. We know Perky Elvis teaches us that there were ten generations in 5-2, in Hebed. There were ten generations from Adam to Noah, and then ten generations from Noah to Avram, to demonstrate the great extent of God's patience. Every generation provoked Hashem. Every generation made Hashem angry, until it came to, to Noah, and then later on until it came to Avraham, when finally Avram came and... There wasn't provocation, but there was wonderful sanctification instead. Teaching us that, you know, Hashem was getting upset, Kiviachal, each generation. Finally, he had the patience until Avram comes and sets the world straight. Another way to acquire Torah, Perkevus teaches us also in 6.5, Vav Hey, one of the ways to acquire Torah is with patience, with making sure to work at the Torah. And we need to know that in life, Patience is wonderful to be involved with teaching as well. Ervin 54b, same around the same area about Rabbi Pradam. Rabbi Kiva teaches, where do we derive a person that's obligated to teach a student until he learns the material and understand it? Literally, you can look at the Rabbi Prada story to learn that. But it says, therefore, write this song for you and teach it to the children of Israel. Put it in their mouths. The song may be a witness against the children of Israel. And how do we know one must teach students until the material is organized? Because it says, put it in their mouths so that they be capable of teaching it to others. The best way to know if something is understood, is if you could teach it to others. If I teach you something, but you can't teach it to others, that means that you don't really understand what I'm telling you. If you can relate to others what I told to you, then you really do understand it. If I can't teach it to you, that you could teach it to others, it's not clarified enough yet. I have to take the time, the patience to teach it again and again until it's crystal clear. You know, Moshe would teach it to Aharon and to Elazar. And then he would teach it to the Zakane, and then he would teach it to the Jewish people. Don't you think Aaron and this and his son could have taught it to the Zakane, could have taught it to the people, but each 
each time Moshe taught it got a little clearer in his own mind because more than we learn from others we learn from our students the Gemara says the best way to learn something is to teach it over and over again in order for it to crystallize in your own mind the Mivchar Apaninim point out someone who possesses abundant patience and meekness will witness the diminution of his oppressors and the increase of his supporters so patience straight up is wonderful Mivchar Apaninim also says that patience is the safest counselor it reaps peace it's a wonderful shield of the defenseless and it is under difficulties it dignifies the heart and ensures success and it results in independence and Rashi points out on Kohalat's patience, one who is slow to anger and is not easily provoked is a wonderful person to be around, is a wonderful quality to have. We know Perkevus tells us the best Mida is someone who is slow to anger and quick to appease. That's actually called a Hasid, that's called a pious person. Someone who is able to have such a quality. Rabbi Yona points out on Pirkei Avos in Beis Hay, an impatient person cannot teach. It is not needed that a teacher be angry, nor that he be short of patience. Rather, he should be magnanimous and very patient and answer everything that a kid asks, because patience brings much goodness to our lives and those around us, changing the whole world for the better. Rabbi Bachai talks about patience, how a how a person should display patience and in his life should have the patience as well. The modest person, or Sadikim, says, is patient and from patience comes peace. With humility, one can quiet the wrath of a man who is angry with him. The best response to someone who is really mad, really angry, or really critical, we talked about this the other time, is no response, or either a soft response, because as it says, as Orchos Sadikim points out, a soft answer turns away wrath. And I've seen that with my own two eyes. I've had bosses like this who are very bossy, pun intended, very critical. They want to rise out of you. They want to yell at you. They're wondering, why are you not yelling back? I can write you up for insubordination if you yell back. But what happens when they speak softly or they don't answer? There's nothing they can write up. There's nothing they could say. There's nothing they could get. There's no rise gotten out of you. They almost feel defeated, defeated and deflated. A soft answer turns away wrath. The Kedas Yitzchak points out how the most important trait to be developed is patience. This is the ability to endure adversity easily, not without sensitivity, but in a heroic fashion. The trait one must follow most, the Sefer Tomer Devora points out, is patience. And the Kuti Maharan points out the aspect of patience is paramount. With patience of spirit, return an answer, Ben Sira points out too. Because in general, in life, the best thing to have is patience. Unfortunately, though, in general, in life, the Shar Hamunavi Yasoda Hasidus points out that people prefer immediate physical gratification over patience and constraint. Even though they will know that they'll be rewarded for later in the world to come, we know there's a very famous psychological experiment called the Marshmallow Test. They talk about this in the psychological literature. It's pointed out to us at undergrad students at YU. If you give a child the ability to have one marshmallow right now, or you tell him, if you wait five minutes, I'll give you two marshmallows, it is very difficult for the child, even as an adult, it's very difficult for wait for the better solution. And they did the experiment, and they found that most of the kids couldn't wait. It was too hard to wait. Immediate gratification was much stronger of a need than delayed gratification. If I tell you, I will give you an N64 on one game now, or I'll give you two N64s and 14 games and three controllers later. Which do you think the teenager or the preteen is going to take? 
it's hard to delay gratification. It's difficult to have patience. It's much easier to get the immediate, to get the immediate gratification. It's very difficult for a kid. I'll give you one candy now or 15 later. I'll give you 15 later. They can't wait. It's too difficult. It's too hard. It takes years of cultivate, of a cultivation of spirit, of cultivation of patience to do so. Even for us as grown-ups, we know if I, if you, if you want now, I'll give you $100 from your paycheck, but if you wait two weeks, you get the full thing. It's still kind of hard to wait those two weeks. You know, we want it right away, and there are apps that get it to you a day or two early, and they show everyone jumping around and, and jollying around because it's such a big deal. But it's not so easy to wait. It's not so easy to delay. It comes with patience, with work, and with self work involved. The Jewish Spiritual Hearers points out that Hillel's modesty and unusual patience gained wide renown and many interesting stories were told of futile attempts to make him angry. Hillel was also noted for being satisfied with his lot and was in the habit of saying, blessed be God for this day. Hillel was noted in contradistinction to Shammai as a person for his modesty and his patience. What was the impatience of Ashamai the elder? The impatience of Shammai sought to destroy me out of this world and out of the world to come. But Hillel's gentleness, talking about a person that comes and wants to be converted, I believe, in the Abbas Rumin and Hassan, Hillel's gentleness brought the person to life in this world and in the world to come. We should also be known, the Havdil, for our patience and our good character, dealing with people, using empathy and giving time and attention like Hillel and Rabbi Preda did in their own life. Be patient and wait for Hashem. Do not be vexed by the prospering man who carries out his schemes, as Stalin points out. A patient man comes strife. Hashem controls all. Hashem can help us develop patience. We are not in control, but He is. He does it all for our good, and that can give us peace and the ability to wait in life. The tractate Kala Rabati talks about how a cheerful appearance is wonderful, and being modest and patient and forgiving of insults especially is good as well. It makes a person great and exalted among all things. Erevin 13b points out anyone who is patient and yields to the moment, the moment stands by his side and he'll be successful. It's important to be patient, patient in judgment, patient in life, patient in different situations, demonstrating the patience and showing that we are forgiving of other people and we are able to use it to help others when we have the patience in life. It's not such a simple thing. Impatience is much stronger than patience of spirit and patience of our lives and patience in the world. It is a very hard thing to work on in our life, but it takes a lot of practice, it takes a lot of ability, it takes a lot of effort. But really, it is a wonderful quality to have. It is better than money, and it is a golden quality. It brings much goodness to our lives and to those around us, changing the whole world for the better. It is key and can turn away anger from us, especially if someone wants to knock you down, like a critical supervisor. We should be known for our patience and good character, like Hill and Rabbi Prada. Know that Hashem controls all. He can help us develop patience if we ask Him for it, if we do our part in trying to work on ourselves. Don't judge the moment. Let things settle in and wait for them before jumping to conclusions in life. We might not always have the answer, but that might be the better answer to wait and see. Oftentimes we might not understand things. Hashem is patient, so should we be. In our own life, 
We need to go above and beyond and use patience, even in a situation that seems too hard to do so. Hillel did so countless times on Erev Shabbos when he was trying to get ready. Learn it's possible and very commendable on any small level. Without patience, we can lose friends and others, God forbid. Patience can be a key to keeping many of our most important relationships. For an impatient person, life is not enjoyable. It will feel a constant aggravation. Patience can then be key to a peaceful, calm, enjoyable life. And patience is not only beneficial to you and those around you, but to the nation and the world at large, leading to more serenity and calmness in the world. So the next time someone is next to you in line and they ask you, Shnia, rak raga, savlanut, and you'll say, no problem. I have a Shnia, I have savlanut, and I have a rega. Don't get your scarf up in a knot. No problem. My knot is all untied. Don't test my patience. My patience is not being tested. Where are you running? I'm not running anywhere. Do you have a train to catch? I do, but I'm not in a rush. You can go first. What's your rush? What's your rush? I'm not in a rush. You can hold your horses. You can give me a minute. In our life, we can learn to wait in line. We can learn to stand traffic. We can learn to wait on the phone. We can learn to understand that we don't have to be impatient. We can learn to be patient. And it all starts with us little things every single day. Yes, it's difficult to wait on customer service. I will tell you that when we call the HR line for our job in the city, it is guaranteed 45 minute minimum. Minimum. So what most people do is they put it on speaker and they go about their business because a person who's sitting on the phone for 45 minutes can really lead us to a lot of impatience, a lot of anger. If you have to wait on the phone, do something else. Do a crossword. Check your email. Check the messages. Do what you can. Be involved in this and that. Patience is a wonderful virtue to have. As we're in the days, the Benamates are in between the fast days. We're here, summer 2023. We think about the idea, why was the Mikdash taken away from us? Besides for the big three, obviously, which are major things to work on in life. Of the first Mikdash, Mikdash the second base Mikdash, Sinachinam. Sinachinam comes from evil speech, evil thoughts, baselessly hating, not having the patience, not talking to people. The counteraction would be to having the proper outlook, proper words, proper devarm, we're in Parshas devarm for this week, using the right words, having Motsi Shem Tov, having Lashon Tov. If in your generation the base just wasn't rebuilt, by definition, the Gemara says it's as if it was destroyed again and again. And the way to redeem it, the sages say, is the opposite, to rebuild with Ahavas Chinam. If we could just learn a little patience, if we could learn a little ability to work on ourselves and work on others, to have a little more ability to take care of things and wait for things in life, the whole world would be, would be better. And maybe we each could be Zochet to have another brick built for the Mikdash, another brick built, and maybe we could finally be Zochet that this year will finally come and may that day, in fact, Today, This has been Tani Talks Radio where we talk about the shear for the week for the audience members to keep. Join us next time, God willing, same time, same place here on Tani Talks Radio. And I'm your host, Tani.